brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty Spotlight Interviews. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. Each week, these interviews provide you with the insights from a different perspective of Business Fight Poverty Network, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are working on some of the world's biggest social challenges. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Alexa Roscoe. Alexa leads a team exploring disruptive technology for the International Finance Corporation's Gender and Inclusive Economies Group, which are part of the World Bank. The IFC, as they are known, has long taken a comprehensive approach to reduce gender inequality, from partnerships to investments, training to research. During this podcast, Alexa deep dives into a new piece of research that she has led, conducted with the aim to highlight the business rationale of closing gender gaps. Today, we talk about ride hailing and women, providing global insights into how women participate in the sharing economy. So Alexa, welcome. Thank you, Katie. It's good to be here. Fab to have you. Perhaps to start us off, could you share a little bit more with us about the International Financial Corporation, also known as the IFC to others, and your interest in transportation? Of course. So for those that don't know us, the IFC is a member of the World Bank Group and the largest global development institution focused on the private sector and emerging markets. And one of the reasons that we're interested in transportation is because it's a really underappreciated catalyst for women's economic empowerment. Transport gaps impact women both as providers and as passengers. So for instance, as riders, transport really matters because if women can't get to jobs, that often means they don't hold jobs. The ILO has said that transport gaps account for about 15% of women's labor force participation gaps globally. And even if women are holding jobs, they might be taking jobs that are more poorly paid or not matching their skills because they're opting to go and use transport, which is safer or, or more convenient. On the other end, we have women as drivers who are just very widely underrepresented in the sector. Data is a little bit patchy on this end, but it's safe to say that women represent a fraction of overall workers particularly when it comes to roles like drivers and conductors versus ticket vendors. And in the last decade, ride hailing in particular has increasingly changed the transport ecosystem. What does this mean for women? So back in 2018, IT published a report called Driving Toward Equality, which is the first global look at women in ride hailing. We surveyed over 11,000 drivers and riders across six countries and combined that with company data provided by Uber. And what that told us is that women do in fact use ride hailing very differently than men. They prefer different products, they travel in different ways and at different times, and they even cite different benefits and challenges. So the first big differences are in ridership. One of the strongest findings of the study is that women did benefit more than men when it came to access to ride hailing. Around a quarter of women told us they could travel more and more freely as a result of access to ride hailing. This is because ride hailing makes it easier to travel at night, to travel with children, or to travel outside peak commuting hours, all of which are very characteristic of women's mobility patterns. And Alexa, you talked there about people who are using the ride hailing system. What about the drivers? Yes, when it comes to women as drivers, the situation is a bit different. I don't think it will be a surprise to anyone that women were in the minority of drivers in every country that we looked at. 
And this ranged from less than 1% in India to just under 5% in Mexico. So even though this sounds really small, this is actually a potential pathway for women into the sector. And that's mostly because it's easier to download an app than to go through a complex taxi licensing process. That being said, women did face quite substantial barriers when they attempted to join as ride-hailing drivers. First, of course, is safety and security, but also, I think, less appreciated factors like financial inclusion. So if you, if you can't get a loan to get a car, you might not be able to participate in the sector. Also very much at the forefront was social norms. What we found is that in countries like Mexico, where there was a high support amongst male drivers for like women being on the road, that's where we saw the highest participation. But in countries like India or Indonesia, where most men said they didn't approve of being women on the road, that's where the driver participation was lowest. And of course, there's even more complexities like care responsibilities that mean women might not be able to drive during peak income earning times. The reality is that getting women drivers on the road is a hard nut to crack, but it is necessary, not just for the sake of diversity, but because when you ask women riders what type of changes they'd like to see in the industry, one of the most consistent and strong responses is that they want to see more women drivers. And just to pick up actually on that kind of safety and security piece that you mentioned earlier on, I mean, perhaps that's certainly the thing that comes to my mind when I think about trying to increase diversity or sort of gender inclusion around ride hailing. What does your research say about that? You're absolutely right. Safety and security is quite often the key determinant of where, how, and even if women decide to get on the road. However, when it comes to ride hailing, what we found is a bit paradoxical at first glance. On the one hand, about 65% of women said that security concerns are the number one reason Women don't sign up to be drivers, and the number one reason women don't ride more. However, if you ask them what's the top reason that they do use ride hailing, the answer is also because of the existing good practices in safety and security. And the reason for that is because women are, you know, comparing what's available across different contexts. Like, do they walk? Do they get on the bus? Do they get on the train? And quite often, even if ride hailing isn't perfect, it comes out as the safest and most secure option. So that being said, there's there's certainly a long way to go. And and we're certain we've been pleased to see a bit of a like a race to the top in the industry in terms of improving safety and security practices. So Alexa, what are some of the solutions that ride hailing companies can adopt? In terms of safety, we've seen a a real increase in recent years in terms of adoption of in-app emergency options, like improved driver screening, safety and security training, and sexual harassment training for drivers, and even things like location tracking that alerts the company to unexpected stops. But increasingly, we're also seeing that companies are trying to design products and, and services that explicitly target women. Particularly, we're seeing an uptick in gender segregated services. So that means, for instance, women who or products that, you know, where only women drivers can match only women riders. Alexa, gender segregated transport, it's a really heavily debated topic. Could you perhaps walk us through the debate? When we did the Driving Toward Quality report, we found that women said that they would increase their rides by about 70% if they had the option of matching with a, a woman driver. So we wanted to follow this up and explore what the options were in the sector and exactly what was out there. 
So we've just published a new report called Gender Segregated Transport and Ride Hailing, Navigating the Debate, where we interviewed 30 companies in this space to determine you know, just how ride hailing companies were approaching this issue. First, we did confirm that there is consistent and heavy demand for these services really across contexts. So for instance, in uh, Sri Lanka, 90% of women said they would like these type of services. And a big chunk said that they'd even be willing to pay more to be matched with a women driver. We also found that this is increasingly mainstream offering. So for instance, Uber has a women preferred product that started in Saudi Arabia and has since been piloted in Brazil. And so this, and we've seen similar examples really across the globe. However, no research had been done on whether this actually gets more women on the road or whether it addresses women's mobility needs. And of course, both are, remain heavily debated. We did find that a number of women were increasingly using the service as a first entry point into ride hailing. So for that, for instance, they'd sign up initially to drive women only, and then you know, as time go, went on, shift to a broader customer base. Similarly, women did feel like they could travel more at night and other insecure times because of these services. That being said, there's a debate around whether this really is, you know, just a band-aid approach versus a long-term solution. There are also really complex just operational considerations. So for instance, in Egypt, one company told us that they couldn't figure out why suddenly a lot of their women drivers had stopped using the app. They called around and found out that it was actually exam season. So mothers were at home helping their children study, which meant that they, they weren't able to, to serve the demand that they had on the app for kind of a period of a week until everyone came back. So there's a lot to think through here. And so if companies do take this approach, we think they should be aware of the potential benefits and adopt best practices. And, and this paper helps them do that. For everybody listening to this podcast, the link to that piece of research will be in the words that sit alongside the podcast. Alexa, we can't ignore that 2020 has been a crazy one. We've seen huge social impacts uh, from COVID-19 to the civil rights movement. What does your research and findings mean in this context? So, you know, as we're recording this, a lot of markets are still at a standstill but they will reopen. And the truth is that women will not get back into the workforce and not be able to move freely if the transport options are not already ready. So ride hailing has a role to play there and the companies should be ready to build back better. And what action should somebody who's listening to this podcast today take? So I think if you're a private sector company, I would think about how your employees are getting to work. You know, are you missing out on women employees who perhaps can't reach where you are or can't work certain hours? And consider whether you can offer services that might need need a dedicated transport services, but also really kind of supporting investments in public infrastructure as well as around your work sites. Transportation is is just going to be more important in a COVID context. I think if you're a ride-hailing company, I would suggest starting by making sure you understand your customer and your user base. And this usually means collecting sex disaggregated data that tells you how and when women are traveling and where there might be opportunities for expansion. I also encourage the sector to think about collective action when it comes to some of the big picture challenges that women face. 
that means safety and security issues and you know acceptability in the sector of women working as ride-hailing drivers and moving freely in their communities. Well, Alexa Roscoe, thank you so much for taking us through this important and emerging topic today. And for everybody listening, please do take a look and listen to the other podcasts that sit alongside uh, this one today. Alexa, thank you. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. 